0: Welcome to this verse by verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit CalvaryQueenCreek.org. Now, the Catholic Church, the, the Pope, came out and made some comments in a documentary. I'm sure you've all heard about it. So we're not into bashing churches. We don't want to do that. That's not the point. But God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And so if you'd like to take a picture of that, and if you want to turn or if you just want to listen, I'm going to read scriptures very quickly because this is not the study. This is a study before the study. We want to make our stance perfectly clear on what the Bible teaches. Um, If you're here and you are having questions about your gender or about your sexual desires, we're glad you're here. We love you. God loves you. There's no guilt and condemnation, as I'm going to share. But we do need to know the truth, for the truth will set us free. If you know someone who's questioning that or going through that, it's so sad. It's so sad we're hearing of of children, preteen children, that are now confused, as well as teenagers, because our society, that's the goal of Satan, is to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. And he's doing a good job. And so we as a church have to step up in the midst of our society to give clarity to, to an issue that we can't pretend is not happening. It is happening. And so if we're not going to speak out, who's going to speak out? But we always want to speak the truth in love. And if anybody's even watching, there's no hate here. We're not anti-gay. We're not anti-Muslim. We're not anti-Catholic. We're pro-Jesus. We're pro-truth. And so it's very important that we go over the truth and stick to the truth. So just very quickly, Genesis chapter 1, I encourage you to write these down, memorize them. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created God created the Bible beyond the shadow of a doubt makes reference to creation not evolution so God created man in his own image so we are image bearers in the image of God he created him male and female he created them then look at chapter 2 21 through 24 And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, Whoa! This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his Father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Mark ten. Mark ten. And Moses, we know, wrote the old, uh, the first five books of the Bible, and so that was over twenty five hundred years ago. Well, no, sorry. 3500 years ago, 3600 years ago, let's go back to Mark and see what Jesus said 2000 roughly 2000 years ago in Mark chapter 10, 10 20, or 10:5 through 8. Mark 10:5 through 8 says well I'm going to go back it up a little bit the Pharisees came and asked Jesus is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife testing him and he answered and said to them what did Moses command you they said Moses permitted a man to to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her and Jesus answered and said to them because of the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept but from the beginning now Jesus goes back to where to Moses no he goes back to the beginning To the beginning. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So Jesus, who is the Son of God, confirms what Moses wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1600 prior years, to Jesus living. So Jesus, beyond the shadow of a doubt, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. What is Jesus doing? He's quoting the Old Testament scriptures. He's quoting the word of God. And the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two, but one. One flesh. Very important that as we continue to go down this road, we don't bash different groups, the LGBTQ. We don't bash politicians. We love them and pray for them, and to the best of our ability, try to reach them for Christ. But in this issue of marriage, it's so important that we know the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5. I encourage you to memorize this verse. As soon as I say it, you're going to know it. 525 says... Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why does the enemy of our soul want to cause such division, such distraction in our world today? In Noah's day, in Lot's day. Jesus said it will be in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of Lot. It's called the desanctification of marriage. The desanctification of marriage is not a holy covenant. Yes, it is. And yes, divorce happens. There's no guilt or condemnation from here. I know that happens. Don't even go there. There's forgiveness, all of those things. But we can't make light of marriage. And we have to go back to the Bible and make sure if we do get remarried, that we make sure that we keep Jesus at the center of our marriage. Individually, because so if we do it individually, then together our marriage will last. If one person breaks away from Christ, there's going to be problems. That's just reality. And why is that so important? Because it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ. Even in an atheist marriage, you've got to think big here. Even in an atheist marriage, in the spiritual world, where is the enemy? He's in the spiritual world. Every marriage, including an atheist, there is no God. Satan goes, great, great. You're coming to hell with me. I love it. I don't have to mess with you. I'm going to go mess with somebody that's doubting. Even in an atheist marriage, the husband represents Christ and the wife represents the church. You ponder that, but that's a reality. Look at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 20. Now I urge you, brethren, believers, I urge you, believers, note those who cause divisions and offenses. Be aware. Be aware of who's doing this. Contrary to the doctrine which you learned. Some people say doctrine's not important. Doctrine is very important. If we do not adhere to doctrine... We have religion, and it's going to be the religion we have today where you can do anything you want, and God loves you, and everything will be okay. And I'm going to love you to hell. I don't want to tell you the truth. I'm going to love you to hell. No, we cannot do that. Contrary to doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. That's hard for us as Christians to do. But this is what the Bible tells us to do. Why? As I said to my children as they were teenagers, two things are going to happen with you you and your friends you are going to influence them or they're going to influence you. And it's the same with adults. The people that you hang around, you're going to influence them or they're going to influence you. And so we have to be careful who we hang around, who we fellowship with. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech, Deceive the hearts of the simple. Sounds like a politician as well as a religious person, and this is what politics is all about. It's called being a chameleon. Who am I going? Who am I talking to? Oh well, I'll change my position to tailor it to these people, so they'll think I think like them, and they'll vote for me. And then when I go to the next group, oh, I got to change again. Oh, I got to change again. And that's now with video. Why they can't get away with it, even though they say I never said that. Uh, no you did and here it is over and over again and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple for your obedience has become known to all guys this is what's so important as we shared last week at the cd paul's obedience to the gospel even in prison was causing the guards to get saved and those of caesar's household to get saved never discard where god has you in your workplace he's got you there for a purpose you need to be a light in a dark world therefore i am glad on your behalf but i want you to be wise in what is good notice here i want you to be wise this is for the christians this is for you and i i want you to be wise in what is good what is good marriage it's very good i love it my wife and i are going on 40 years we love it. But we work at our marriage, and if you're not working at your marriage, then you're going to have problems. And even in working at our marriage, we still have problems, but the problems go away very quickly because we know how to address them. So we can have a counseling session right here, right now in 10 seconds. Get Jesus in the center of your marriage, surrender, repent, get right with Jesus, and your marriage will get right with Jesus. People are watching you, but I want you to be wise in what is good. Seek after that what is good and what and simple concerning evil. So as we look in Acts, that's what we do here. We want to look at what is good, what is true, what is holy, what is pure, what is honorable. And the false will make itself itself obvious. If you're not in your Bible and you're wondering who should I vote for, I just said the answer. You're not in your Bible. If you're in your Bible, you're going to know who to vote for. It's it's quite obvious. Not that they're a perfect choice. I get it. Don't come up to me afterwards. I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm not voting for the perfect person. But I am voting. You vote. You pray. God's going to show you. Well, we're in Acts chapter 21. If you're new or visiting, Let's get into our study for the day. Hopefully, we'll make it through it. It's going to be tight, but I think we can do it. I got to turn on the air. I'm having a hot flash. (laughs) Even though it's fall. If you're new to Arizona, this is fall. You better love it. (laughs) We have two seasons, hot and hotter. Woo! Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you and praise you for air conditioning. We thank you and praise you for the cooler weather. It is getting cooler. We thank you for that. But we also pray, Lord, that we're, boy, we just pray for California and Colorado. They're on fire. They're burning up. Is it climate change? I personally believe it's your hand of protection. Judgment is coming upon America and has been coming upon America and people are not waking up, not repenting. And now the great reset says it's climate change. It's not God's judgment. It's climate change. Father, we do pray for wisdom, for I'm sure that is part of the problem, but the main problem is sin. Sin in our country, abortion, pornography, sex trafficking, drugs, alcohol, violence. Sin is prevalent in our country, and we as a country are not openly repenting. Yes, as individual Christians we are, but as a society, as a culture, we're not. And so, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to stir our country's hearts. For without Christ, we're doomed. Without a relationship with Jesus, we're lost. Our country's done. So, Father, we pray for us as believers as we go out this week that we'll be used by you to reach people for Jesus. Maybe it's it. Maybe we are done. Maybe you said that's, that's it, like you did with your children in Israel. Maybe you're going to take us off the land. Your will be done, Lord, and give us wisdom in ministering with what days we have left that we might reach people for eternity. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 21. And after those days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Um, if you haven't been with us, this is Paul and his companions are heading to Jerusalem. Uh, he's completed his third missionary journey. He's soon to be arrested, and then he'll be holed up, locked up, not holed up, he will be locked up Unvoluntarily for several years before he goes to Rome to witness before Caesar So this is his travels They've now left Caesarea and they're heading to Jerusalem and they stayed with a man named Manassan And I like that he is mentioned here in acts as an early disciple when you look up that word early It means original or beginning So possibly he was maybe one of the original disciples followers of Jesus so I'm not going to say yay or nay but that's what the word means early it's been roughly 25 years since Pentecost and we see that he has stayed the course this is what is important whether he's 10 years 15 20 25 years in the Lord What we want to make note of is he stayed the course. He remained focused, and he now opens his home to a man named Paul. You and I, as we head down this road, it's going to be over in two weeks. The election is going to be over, theoretically, theoretically. It's not, but theoretically it will be and you as a Christian are going to be more and more focused on as being the problem of our culture of our society because you hold absolute truths and you don't budge and you'll be called anti this anti that hate this hate that and you have to know how to respond you cannot respond in anger because that will prove that you do hate people You have to be be, be loving, be mindful of who's talking to you, and say, no, I don't. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Quote the scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Jim. No, hearing by the word of God. Get the scripture out there right away so that the Holy Spirit can work on their hearts. You and I, we can't work on the heart. Now, we talked about this last week as far as coming to the house of Philip. So if you're new or weren't here last week, this was the religious Pharisee named Saul prior to becoming Paul, the apostle Paul. And Manasseh opened his home and the brethren received Paul gladly. Again, this is just an incredible transformation of a man who was a murderer. A murderer. The saints who used to fear him, speaking of Saul, who is Paul, if you're new to the faith or new to the Bible, same man, are now welcoming him with open arms and rejoicing over what God has done through him. Can that happen even to this day? Absolutely. If you're here today and you don't think that God loves you, that God can forgive you, that God could use you in the future, I want to tell you no. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God does love you. God will use you. But you need to surrender your heart to his will. If you do that, if you acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a savior and you invite Jesus to be your savior, I don't need to know what you've done. God already knows he will absolutely forgive you. Absolutely. You have no excuse from this day forward. I made it perfectly clear to you. He will absolutely forgive you if you surrender. If you do not, that's your free will choice and hell awaits you. Verse 18 On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So the next day, Paul and his companions go in to meet the elders of Jerusalem, and notice that James, James is mentioned here, not Peter. James is mentioned uh, this is not John's brother. Again, if you're new, James and John, this is not John's brother, as he was martyred in the early days of the church. This is James, the half brother of our Lord Jesus, who also wrote the book of James. And again, if you're new, yes, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. His four brothers are listed. Two are not listed, but it says sisters, plural. So we know that he had at least two sisters. So Paul shares about the wonderful things that God, not that Paul had done, but that God had done among the Gentile church. And this was obviously wonderful news to the disciples and the elders in Jerusalem. Verse 20, and when they heard it, they glorified Paul. They praised Paul. No, They glorified the Lord. But the Lord needs people, guys. That's why I mention this. Sometimes, I I think oftentimes we elevate Paul, Billy Graham. We elevate people and we forget that God wants to use us. Paul's not alive. Billy Graham's not alive. Franklin Graham's alive, but he's not coming to your workplace. So forget it. He's probably not going to make it. But you are. He's probably not going to come to your retirement community, but you are there. He's he's not probably going to talk to your neighbors in person, maybe through some other means, but you are the vessel that God wants to use. Are we available? Are we available? So as we look at verse 20, you see, brother, how many miramids of Jews, and that word miramid there, if you look it up, it means thousands not hundreds, not tens, but thousands. You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. You see, it's important to remember that there was only one church. The early church was made up of all Jews, all Jews. 120 in the upper room when they received salvation, they were all Jews. They remained Jews for many, many years, and then finally, Peter went to Caesarea, to the house of Cornelius, the centurion, and then the gospel was open to the Gentiles, which was open at the very beginning, but it took the Jews a season to get through their prejudice that many of us have. We carry prejudices with us. But know whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, once you became a Christian, then you became a part of the Christian church. 1 Corinthians 10 shows us this. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why? Because there's three groups of people on the face of the earth that are looking at you. And Paul knew this literally. In his day and age, including today, if you know an Orthodox Jew, if you talk to them, they will make this perfectly clear to you. There are two groups of people on the face of the earth. You're a Jew, you're a Gentile, fuel for the fires of hell, talking about Orthodox Jew here, or a Christian. There's only three groups of people. So there's only one church. So whether we eat or drink as believers, whatever you do, do all the glory of God. Give no offense. Give no offense either to the Jews, to the Greeks, which is a reference to the Gentiles, or to the church of God. So as people try to get into you with an argument of race, there's only one race, the human race. The human race. We as humans try to divide it into other races. There's only one race. So even though we know that there is one church, we will notice in our text that there appears to be two churches. We'll we'll read it again. Verse 20 there, the middle. You see, brother, who are they talking to? Paul, a seasoned saint and also a Pharisee, ex-Pharisee. You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews, Christians, but yet he emphasizes the word Jews which is important for us this morning as we do our study, there are who believed and they're all zealous for the law. Very, very important. As you read your Bible, slow down and read these points because herein lies a problem that has remained within the Bible-believing church to this day. The way I see the scriptures, as a Christian, you cannot be zealous. You cannot be zealous about meeting the requirements of the law. do you got that one on there? There it is. I see the scriptures as a Christian. You cannot be zealous about meeting the requirements of the law. And I have had Christians come into my office and tell me that I'm not saved because I'm not meeting the requirements of the law because I teach the Bible on Sunday instead of teaching on Saturday. So this is not hypothetical. This is not in la-la land. This is reality. Other Christians will look at you this way. You cannot be zealous about meeting the requirements of the law while trying to abide in the grace of God. It's oil and water. It cannot take place. It will never happen. It's impossible. The two are opposed to each other. The law makes it impossible to reach God because it requires a man to meet the codes of the law, while grace makes it possible to reach God because the codes of law have been fulfilled through the one-time sacrifice of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, on the cross. And as we continue in our text, we will clearly see that even by trying to abide by the law, causes other tremendous problems. Verse 21. But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Was that true? No. But we've heard this rumor weed saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. Now, this doesn't say specifically who was talking, but it is very safe to assume that it is James because of previous meetings that have taken place and the position that James held at this time. So he informed Paul that there are Jewish believers in Jerusalem who think that Paul is speaking against the law. So why not just do a simple task? And remove any questions about your position about the law. This is not a good suggestion at all. So be careful when people suggest to you, well, just come to our Mormon ward. If you come to our Mormon ward one time, then we'll go to your church one time. Very bad idea. Very bad idea. It's not about you going. Because the Mormons, if you're new to the area here, Mormons want you, us Christians to accept them, to do things together with them. They've been at this church. The elders, I've sat and lunch with them. They've tried to convince us to do things with them. And I've said, no, no. Your Jesus is an absolute, totally different Jesus. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer. And we bought lunch, by the way. No, 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 no. And every believer needs to be very careful that they don't try to look religious. If you're here today trying to look religious because you came to Calvary Chapel and punched a clock, it doesn't work. God sees the heart. It's about a personal relationship. Verse 22, What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly. Notice the conditions here. You're a Jew, and you walk orderly. Hmm, playing church. And keep the law. You see, these men mentioned here have most likely taken a Nazarite vow, which is described in Numbers chapter 6. You can do a study on that. And as you study that, you're going to find out that it's a free will vow. You know, it's voluntarily. And it's a dedication of thanks. A person would abstain from anything from the vine, even eating grapes, wine, and they would remain away from those who have died, even if it was their own parents. They, would, they could not come near a dead corpse that would break the vow. It would, divide, it would defile them. At the end of their vow, they would shave their head and offer their hair upon the altar along with their peace offering. The person would also need to offer a ram of the first year, a lamb of the first year, a basket of unleavened bread, and a drink offering. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As you're turning there, it was a costly vow. So the elders desired Paul to pick up the tab. Paul, you just pick up the tab. This is costly. And you've got four men. This is going to cost you money. It's going to prove that you're sincere about the law and you're sincere about its customs. Well, 1 Corinthians 9, verse verse 19, Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Why did Paul agree to this? What he's going to do? I believe. We see it right here in Corinthians. And to the Jews I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law. Not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ. In other words, love. Because God loves me, I love him, and because I love God, I don't need the law. I'm not going to break the law because I have a love relationship that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So we look back in Acts. What I find interesting is that the elders make this statement about Paul keeping the law. Was Paul interested in keeping the law? No. No, Paul had been delivered from the requirements of the law, but Paul was willing to cover the cost so that others might know that he was willing to bring harmony and peace amongst his fellow Jews. Did it work? Well, let's read on. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that we should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. You see here in this verse, they rehearse what was determined at the end of Paul's first missionary journey. The four requirements for the Gentile, which were really the four requirements for the Jews as well. We see more clearly that there were two distinct churches that should not have been existing. How do I know that? Because if it was James, he just makes reference to it. He wrote to the Gentiles, just do these four things. But for us Jews, we still got to meet the law. There's two distinct churches. They should not have been existing. Paul had learned how to identify but not come under the bondage of a system. So he knew how to identify with somebody that was under bondage. And it appears to me that the saints at Jerusalem had not yearned that, had not learned that yet. And unfortunately, it didn't stop there either. There are still Christians today who will try to meet certain codes of the law to justify their position in Christ. They're st- they're, and when you talk to those people, it basically comes down to a self-righteous type mentality. You see if you do not want if you do not do what they do according to the law whether that's catholic muslim jehovah witness whatever it might be then you're not a christian you see as christians we've already been accepted by god and now just need to walk in the spirit the holy spirit paul explains it best in the book of galatians which he wrote by the way in 48 to 49 ad it's believed to be the first letter written and I find it interesting that Paul wrote this letter several years prior to this situation here, yet he found himself trying to please man instead of God. Let's look at Galatians. We're going to read a bunch of scriptures. And in case you don't think that you'll ever do that, be very, very careful with that thinking. Because here we have Paul, who knew Greek, could write it, Hebrew, could write it, speak it, Latin. Aramaic. He was fluent in the Bible. He made a mistake. And you can make a mistake too. Trying to please man instead of trying to please God. And I am seeing this, unfortunately, in the Christian world where when a child wants to do something that is unbiblical because the parent doesn't want to lose the relationship of the child, they will compromise the word of God instead of saying, no, I love you enough to tell you no. And if it's your way, then I guess you're going to need to leave if they're of that age, over 18. You have to set the standard, and I can guarantee you, our children are all in their 30s now. They appreciate what we did to them, even though they didn't like it at the time. They now know why we did it as parents. Take a stand. It's the best thing to do. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So if you're kind of wondering where Paul's at, let's see where Paul is at but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Jump down to verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So if Christians are trying to get to heaven now, we got saved, but now we got to finish it by being good. You're setting aside the grace of God and you're saying, well, you know, the cross was good. Thank you, God, for that. But I still got to work my way to heaven. I still got to do all these good things or I'm not going to get there. Not biblical. First chapter three, one through three. "O foolish Galatians! Today we could say, "O unlearned Christians, O foolish Christians, who has bewitched you, who has confused you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And when Pastor Chuck was alive, when we had our senior pastor conferences, he would bring this to the table almost every single conference because there were other Calvaries that had gotten off the track, the beaten track, and they had gone to, yes, it's grace, but oh, you have to do these certain things to make sure that you keep your salvation. No, no, we don't keep our salvation. God keeps it. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And that word perfect there means complete, died. You're done. You're going to get to heaven because of your good works. Look at verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed, Jew and Gentile. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Let's make this practical. And again, we're not into bashing, we're into reality. I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. I was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church. When you're baptized as an infant, you are saved. You are saved, according to their church teaching. You have to do something very, very bad to become unsaved. Murder, adultery, divorce. Well, that eliminates a lot of people, so now they're changing their stance on divorce or lightening up on that as well as other things because they're losing people. Get to the grace of God, and you won't lose anybody. You'll save people. If you don't go to church every single Sunday, you are committing a sin, and you can lose your salvation. If you don't go and confess your sins to the priest. Which when you even do that, you're lying in there anyways. I did it all the time. I lied when I went in there. You're lying. If you don't go to confession, you are damned. If you leave the Catholic Church, when we left in 1985, we left the faith. I was told you have left the faith. No, I left the Catholic Church. I've been in the faith since 78. I'm never going to leave the faith. God's got me. You see why this is so applicable? This is so applicable even today. If a Mormon leaves a Mormon church, they have left the faith. Ask a Mormon if they can leave their faith and still be saved. I ask them on a regular basis, answer, no. This is reality, guys. Grace and works, grace and works. And it's more for works than anything to do with grace. That's just reality, Curses everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for, referencing an Old Testament scripture, the just shall live by faith. And we'll wrap it up with this 23, chapter 3, uh, three 20, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Why? Why? So what's the law for? Well, here's your answer. But before faith came, we were kept under guard. By the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Thou shall not murder. And what did Jesus say? If you look upon someone else with hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder. He went to the heart of the law, not just the physical aspects of the law. He went to the heart of the matter, which is our heart. So no one can say, oh, no, I'm a good person. I'm a good this, I'm a good that. No, you're not. You break one aspect of the law, you're done. You're history. So the law was to, make a sh- to show us that, that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't be perfect. That we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We're no longer under that law. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Back in Acts. See how far we can get here. We're getting close to wrapping up time-wise. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them. Again, notice he took them. Guys, this is a seasoned saint. So again, don't think it can't happen to you. This is a man who knew the first five books of the Bible word perfect. Perfect. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia... You guys remember those guys? Three missionary journeys, two of them in Asia. They wanted to kill Paul. They tried to kill him. They stoned him to death with little rocks he got up. It wasn't his time to go home. Well, we can't kill him there. Now he's in Jerusalem. Great. We're here celebrating. We'll kill him right here. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. This is called a riot mentality. Crying out, men of Israel, help. Help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And where were they? The temple, the holiest area, uh, area in all of Judaism, the temple. And furthermore, he also brought Gentiles into the temple and has defiled this holy place. We don't see that in the scriptures. I don't believe Paul would have done that. He would have known better. He didn't want to give any offense. We just read that. He knew better than doing that. For they have previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed. And the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now, as they were seeking to kill him... News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, a commander um, was over a thousand soldiers, a centurion was over 100 soldiers. So, here this commander, he immediately took soldiers and centurions. Notice plural there, so at least two, so at least 200 soldiers. And ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. This is what you get when you go to a riot. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the riot, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For a multitude of people followed after crying, away with him, away with him. Now this is very interesting. He's arrested, he's taken to the Antonio Fortress. If you've been to Israel, your mind immediately goes back to that place. Because archaeologists have uncovered this very location. It's on the northwest corner of the temple platform. And again, it's below ground because Israel was destroyed. And what they would do, not like today, like they did at Twin Towers, they would just leave the debris, they would backfill, build again. Israel, Jerusalem was destroyed, backfill. And Jerusalem was destroyed numerous amount of times. So today, to go down to the original, you have to go 20, 30, 40 feet deep. So they have actually excavated it, and you can see these places when we go on tour. But notice in verse 36, what did they say? Away with him. Does this sound familiar? You see, I'm sure it brought back memories for Paul. Maybe Paul, who was the man Saul, who was a Pharisee, was there when the crowds asked Pilate to do away with Jesus. Do you remember that? John 19, 15? I bet Saul was there. He was a Pharisee. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. When they crowd out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? What the chief priests answer, we have no king but Caesar. Today America is saying we have no king but the almighty dollar and social identity, whatever you want as far as your identity. We have no king. God is not our king. Jesus is not our king. Away with Christians, away with your mentality. Verses 37, then when Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus. Now, this is very important. Tarsus was the third leading city of education. Of education, very, very important. Third largest city behind what? I'm forgetting right now, Alexandria and Athens. Alexandria, Athens, and then you had Tarsus. In Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, insignificant city, it was a major city, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So When he had given Paul permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language saying, and we'll pick this up next week. But again, notice Paul, I believe he had really, really good intentions. All right, they want me to do something to a Jew, I'm going to become a Jew. I know I'm not under the law. I'm mature. I'm past that. I understand that. But I'm going to do it because maybe I'll win a lot of Jews that's not going to happen as you're going to see, but I believe that was his mentality. So even seasoned saints, as seasoned saints, I know there's many of you in this room this morning that are seasoned saints. As parents of younger children, don't buy into the garbage that's being promoted. Even if another church, and the Catholic church, I think is the third largest church in the world, I think they make up one-sixth of the world population, which is now going to be used against us as believers, the LGBT, T, G, Q, whatever letters they are, they jumped on that. So now you have this large denomination, the head of it, possibly saying, and there's arguments already, I've read the arguments the last few days on both sides. No, he didn't say that. Yes, he did say that. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. It came from the top, possibly endorsing this lifestyle. What's the matter with you? They got the same Bible as you do, don't they? And they do, except for the Old Testament, Apocrypha, seven additional books. New Testament, exactly the same. What are you going to say? You see, you have to answer them according to the word of God. Don't try to get into a political debate. Don't try to get into a religious debate. If you need to write these out on an index card, if you need to use um, little, um, what are those tabs called? Little tabs, uh, sticky note tabs, Whatever it takes for you to have them in your Bible where you can reference them and say, oh, you want want to talk about that? I'm so glad you want to talk about that. Let me get my Bible. I'll be right back. I don't want to know what your Bible says. Well, then I guess I can't talk to you because I can only tell you what the truth says. You don't want to know what I say. I'm a nobody. But let's go back to the word of God. Ah, forget it. All right, well, you gave it a shot. Guys, that's what we have to do. Take them back to the truth or you will argue till the cows come home and you won't get anywhere. Give the Holy Spirit ammunition to use on the unconverted heart and God will do a work. Father, we thank you and praise you and we thank you that we don't have to trust in ourselves and being some great theologian to try to convince people about the truth. it's all we need to do is in simplicity, in love, in grace, in mercy, with compassion, long-suffering, take people to the Bible. If they don't want to believe it, they don't want to believe it. But we can at least take them there and show them. And that way they'll hear the truth. And the truth will set them free. So Father, use us this week not to argue Republican, Democrat, liberal. We know we're going down. We have to fulfill scripture. So let us get past that and bring Jesus to people. Bring the gospel to people. Let's not love them to hell. Let's love them to the word of God and allow your Holy Spirit to do the rest. Father, if there's anyone in our midst this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would come up after this service and that they would receive Jesus as their Savior. We love them, Lord, because you love them just like you love us. You loved us first. Help them to know that, that you love them and you desire a relationship with them, no matter what they think, no matter where they're at. You want a relationship with them this morning. For us believers, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh and new. We need power. We don't need tricky phrases. We need power via your Holy Spirit to share the gospel that people might receive forgiveness of their sins